It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Tigers get the first SEC win of the Hugh Freeze era, and do we finally have our quarterback? Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's the morning after. It means we're joined by Daryl Daprich, Montgomery Radio Vet, finally recapping a win. It's been too long, but the Auburn Tigers in that four-game losing streak and hopefully start a four-game winning streak. More on that later, but they win 27-13 to against Mississippi State. Daryl, really thanks to an incredible first half offensively where we were all going into the we're all going into halftime saying, okay, who is this team playing offense in Auburn jerseys? It looked totally different. The play calls felt different. The pace felt different. The quarterback rotation was different because they stuck with Peyton Thorne. It, everything about it was exactly what the vast majority of Auburn fans have been begging for, and it worked. It was wonderful, Daryl. It was really a, kind of an historical first half offensively. I mean, the way they ran the ball and threw the ball, the, the number of yards they had. I mean, they were on pace to have like close to 600 yards of total offense in an SEC game. You're right. That first half was a clinic offensively. And, you know, you felt like, okay, it's not going to be like it was two years ago when Auburn went up 28-3 to because Mississippi State's offense was an air raid two years ago. Will Rogers wasn't on the field. And, look, I get it. I have some Mississippi State fans that were in a thread with me that were talking about how Mississippi State didn't have, you know, their two big guys on offense. So Auburn should have done that. I get that. But that has nothing to do with the way Auburn shredded Mississippi State's defense in the first half. that the, two, Will Rogers and the running back being out, the defense was supposed to be the strength of this team. And what credit Auburn and the play calling, receivers making plays, yeah. getting after it, you know, fighting for balls, blocking downfield. There was a lot of things to absolutely love in that first half. And the touchdown right before – Halftime, to me, was one of the biggest scores we've seen in two years at Auburn because they didn't settle for the field goal. They put it out of reach a little bit. And later on in the game, I was thanking God that they scored that touchdown when it got a little hairy. Yeah, I think it would have felt different. And maybe they approached the second half differently if they don't score that. Who knows? It definitely felt like they made the intention to be less aggressive on both sides of the football. So maybe if they don't have that lead, that changes that regardless um, I don't think anybody's going to be really stoked with how the second half went. But all in all, I think this is big. One, because you should beat Mississippi State, and you did. And, and I think that's a big part of all of this. This season so far has gone chalk for the most part. Uh, no, uh, every game has gone chalk. It's kind of gone how the experts thought that it would when you look at the big picture with this. It's like, okay, Auburn played a team that they were more talented than, and they won. They won by, by two scores, Daryl. So what's happening over the next few weeks? They're playing a team that they're better than when they go to Vandy. By the way, this injured Mississippi State team, significantly still significantly better than Vandy, I would say. Uh, they're playing against an Arkansas team that just lost to this Mississippi State team. 
And then obviously New Mexico State. I, I think this is a four-game winning streak in the making. I still believe that. But arguably a bigger point, Daryl, did we finally figure out that we need to go with one quarterback? Is Peyton Thorne finally the guy? And Hugh Freeze's comments to the TV broad on the TV broadcast right after the game was, yeah, good for Peyton Thorne. If he wasn't going to be able to do that, we would have gone a different direction. Uh, but fortunately, he did. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the idea of what he said. Uh, Robbie only had two carries for eight yards. Very small role in this game plan. Is Peyton Thorne the guy moving forward? Or are we going to be done rotating quarterbacks? Well, to get to your first point, um, you're absolutely right. You never apologize for getting a win, especially a two-score win. We talked about it on the Friday show that, you know, if Auburn could get to 20, we felt like they were going to win the football game. And they got to 27 and won by two scores. They covered. Right. So, you know, you, you win, and that's that's great. And you never apologize. You want to learn things in wins, not losses. I feel like you Freeze challenged Peyton Thorne during this, this week and just said, hey, look, if you want to – you know, he was unhappy in some of the, the conversations he had with the Auburn beat writers. And I think Hugh Freeze probably said, if you want this job and you want to not be so unhappy, then go grab it. I mean, the announcers alluded to that. And so, look, for everybody that that rode him all year and got on him, he did look poor in a lot of in a lot of games. But was that because of play calling? Was he finally put in a position in this game in the first half to utilize his strengths? I think so. I he think Play calling, yeah. The way he walked, the way he took the field, the way he came off the field, the way he communicated with other players, the way he delivered the football, everything looked different. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing because they maybe he felt good about the game plan. The offensive line was a little bit better. I think some of that had also to do with, with Mississippi State's lack of a pass rush, but still the running game. I mean, Auburn was so effective on first down in that first half. It really opened a lot of things up when it's second and three second and four consistently play action works because the defense has to defend everything they've got to kind of keep everything uh, on the table there and so i think that certainly had a factor too but it just seemed like the game moved slower for peyton thorne on saturday in the first half which is exactly exactly what you want to see out of your quarterback I think it had to do with, again, the, the calling plays differently for him to put in a position to succeed. I saw the ball get out of his hand a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. He didn't hold on. to the. I mean, he was very decisive, let it go. On out routes, they threw screen passes. They threw slants. I mean, there was, there was a lot. I mean, the, the play that he made on the pump fake was a really nice play, and that kind of shows you glimpses of what he could be, become. It was an, a nine-yard gain instead of a ball being batted down in his face. So again, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little bit leery of thinking that somebody could just flip a switch and all of a sudden start playing well and, and, and start doing some of the things that he did without it being a play calling issue and putting him in a position to play well. Now the opponent certainly matters, but I mean, I feel like Peyton Thorns played defenses that were less than Mississippi state to this point and looked, didn't look great. And he did. So I don't know. Whatever they did in the first half, they better bottle it, bring it to Nashville, bring it to Fayetteville, whatever, because that was the Peyton Thorne that I think everybody hoped to see when Auburn got it. Totally. Totally. And the receivers that they involved when the offense was cooking was a little interesting. The combination of Caleb Burton, Javarius Johnson, Rivaldo Fairweather, and then Jay Fair, uh, and I love how they were all used. VAR with a deep strike. I love that. 
Shane Hooks with a 50-50 ball. He kind of got the opportunity for two of them. Caught one for a touchdown. He dropped the other one that was kind of in a similar situation. Jay Fair behind the line of scrimmage. I love that. They also had an intermediate route to Jay Fair in the second half that I thought was good or maybe late first half. Rivaldo Fairweather targeted four times. He caught all four because that's what happens when you target Rivaldo Fairweather. He catches it. And then Caleb Burton in a slot role position. I, I loved all of this. I loved all of these types of roles for these types of receivers. And they kind of were able to operate, it looked like, more kind of within what we think their strengths are going to be moving forward. And it's what we thought they would be coming into the season. So I, I, I love the usage of Auburn skill players as well, Daryl. I really feel like the two slants that Auburn threw and picked up two big first downs were huge. I mean, they were like, you know, six yard, seven yard. Uh, they had to get to get to the first down and they ran an eight or nine yard slant. And I think one of the best play calls of the night and one of the best, you know, executed plays, unfortunately, came back because of Dylan Wade being downfield. The, the play to Frazier, I loved on third and eight. You think they're going to run it. They've been doing that the whole game, being conservative. They pull it, play action. He's wide open. Now, Thorne underthrew it a little bit. If he'd hit him in stride, he may have gotten five or six more yards, but it didn't matter because Wade was downfield. That was a great play call, and that was great execution, and I hope to see that more when Auburn's backed up a little bit because that was effective. So, yeah, the slants. Yeah. The, they did a lot of different things. The screens, where he rolls out, <clears throat> Zach, and finds Fairweather five, six yards past the line of scrimmage, and he gets eight or nine. It's just it's taking it's, – it's, it's easy money. It's taking candy is what it's doing. Yeah, and they went to it often in the first half, and then they kind of stayed away from it. But even stuff like the J-Fair motion, which it's so easy to kind of say, okay, we're going to put this on tape, and they've got to, like, put other things on it. Because a lot of times it was a give, right? And we don't know truly if it's a read or not. We, they can make it look like it is, but sometimes it's just a design give. We'll, you know, we'll see if they play off of that. In the future, but there were a few times where he pulled in and threw it to Jay Fair. Jay Fair got a catch behind the line of scrimmage. I, I've been kind of hoping we'd see more of that throughout this uh, throughout the season. We haven't seen a lot of it, but just getting the ball in the playmakers' hands or guys that we think can be playmakers in this offense, get it in their hands in space and just see what happens. It doesn't matter if it's ten yards downfield or if it's behind the line of scrimmage. And you know, we, we kind of saw a nice mix of that there in the first half. Darrell, let's talk about this rushing game. And then obviously, you know, the incredible job that the defense did and then the path ahead for the Auburn Tigers all coming up right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the best place to hire uh, anybody that you need for your small business. Daryl, you've done a lot of hiring through LinkedIn Jobs. You've tried other places as well. You think LinkedIn Jobs is the best. I do. We're two for two. Uh, we had a welder that we hired about a month ago at the company I work for. And now we just hired a shipping clerk. And I went back to the well, went to LinkedIn because it was so beneficial for us with the welder. So we've now had two hires in the last month. Uh, I use them. I, I wouldn't support, I wouldn't, you know, basically promote them if we did. And it's been very successful. We get a different level of employee is the only way I can describe it when we use LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, 
including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Daryl, the running game. The last two weeks, Jarquez Hunter has looked like we thought Jarquez Hunter would. And what makes him so good is his style. He's not afraid to do the dirty work, these rough and intense four-yard runs. But he's also capable of popping these 50-yard runs like he did in the fourth quarter really to ice the game. And, and I just think that's something that this offense needs more of. And it's kind of been a little unfair to Jarquez Hunter because all of the the hype and the discussion has been about, okay, how long is Damari Austin out? Okay, Brian Batty, what does his role in this offense look like? And then obviously the future with Jeremiah Cobb, who had an incredible touchdown catch and, and a monumental score there at the end of the first half, like you mentioned. But Jarquez Hunter, he's the tried and true, and we're seeing more of it as the season evolves, which is great for the Auburn offense and great for Jarquez Hunter. Yeah, I think uh, I've changed my stance on that a little bit. I wanted to see more balance. I love Cobb. I'd love to see him get six or seven carries. I'd love to see Batty. But you know what? I'm one of those people that screams at the TV and preaches, if something's working, yeah. don't go away from it, right? Yeah. And so you probably could pull up his stats quicker than I can. I don't. I think Hunter might have rushed for 160, 155 yards. He had 17 he carries for 144. Okay. And he had That's two incredible. catches for 26. And the catch that he made was huge, where he leaped a guy, right? The screen pass and, and hurdled over a guy. So, Delicious. yeah, I think that you you go with the hot hand in that case. I'd love to see Cobb get more carries. I'd love to see Batty get more carries. But in this case, when you're trying to win a football game and get back on track, if he's your horse, you ride him. And that's he looks more explosive. He, it, it, he look, it's, it, I said something earlier about it's Hunter being Hunter again. And he really gets through that first initial wave of, of the defensive line. Uh, once he gets in that second, you know, second space, he's really effective. So, you know, great job by him. And if he stays healthy the rest of the year, I think he's only going to get better. He's starting to get – I think he's starting to feel back to his normal self again. Once he gets past the first line of defense, the defensive line, he has such a knack for feeling where everyone is around him. Like when he can cut, when he needs to cut because he's getting chased from behind. I mean, he he just kind of has a feel, that sixth sense of where all the defenders are on the field. And that's special. You can't teach that. That's just a no, natural second level. Second level was the word I was looking for. He's a one of the best backs in the SEC when he gets by the initial front and gets to the second level. He's really good. And yeah, he's, really, he's got a, a great in instincts at that yeah, point. He's great. He's great. Auburn gets their 10th interception of the season in the fourth quarter where it kind of felt like, okay, that's going to ice it. And then Auburn mm -hmm. had to punt, you know, just a few plays later, um, which is a shame, but still it kind of felt like Mississippi state had that momentum. Uh, I don't know if, if Mike Wright just really overthrew his target or if there was miscommunication, but regardless, the ball was deeper than any Mississippi state option. And then Zion Puckett was able to, to get, that interception, which is great. Um, it's their 17th straight game. Auburn's forced to turnover, which is 
awesome, kind of uncharted territory because it seemed like we went for years with having good defenses, but they wouldn't generate turnovers. And so Auburn's kind of on a nice streak there, leads the SEC with, with 10 interceptions, which is exciting. And I just don't see that changing when you look at the rest of the schedule, Daryl. And I, I think when you look at Auburn's defense compared to what Vandy's putting on the field right now, what Arkansas is putting on the field right now, the New Mexico State being what they are, and just a situation that's that. This defense is going to allow Auburn, I think, in a similar situation where if you score 27 points, Auburn goes 7-5 and five at worst this year. Yeah, I, I'd like to see um, – they, they just seem to be so close to sacking right a couple times. They were just a tick late, right? They'd create pressure. They'd hit him yeah. right when he released the ball. So I would have liked to have seen a couple of sacks. But they did get pressure on him. The throw to Puckett was just a bad throw, but it seemed to me I, I felt like that was such a game change or you know, kind of like a game sealer at the time it happened. It was seven minutes to go. I felt like if Auburn could have knocked out a couple first downs, flipped the field, right. it's ball game. And I think that was the drive that the Frazier pass got called back. So from a defensive standpoint, I'd like to see a little more pressure, absolutely. But from an interception and a turnover standpoint, Auburn continues to get – think about that. They're getting – these turnovers without a lot of sack, high sack numbers, and quarterbacks having to really rush their throws. I will say this, and I have to. I'm I'm really getting to the point though that I'm tired of the third and twenties and the third and twenty-twos and Auburn not getting off the field. That will cost you in a game. It allowed, in my opinion, Mississippi State to feel a little bit of life and that they still had a chance in the ballgame. Auburn at third and 22, up big at the first half, the first drive of the second half, stops Mississippi State, has a chance to get the ball back at midfield because they were – and you would have completely blown the game open. You had your foot on their throat. Right. And Marcus Harris holds and gives them new life. They get two first downs. They go down and kick a field goal. That, I mean, I get it. Well, it's a, it's a similar score. situation to early against Ole Miss – Last week, third and twenty-two, third and twenty. Now that wasn't a penalty; they just gave it up on a draw play. Well, there was another. There was another instance be, though where yeah. where it was a penalty against Ole Miss. Correct. Like, so I mean, I mean on it's third and ridiculous. twenty-two, if you hold somebody, is it really going to make a difference? That that's the thing that bothers me. Be smarter than that. Get off the field. You're up. What three scores at that point? You have a chance to go up four scores. Because it miss, Mississippi State's going to punt from their own end zone. You gave them life. And I know I'm being nitpicky, but sometimes I don't care. You win. I get it. But clean that stuff up so it doesn't cost you in a game where you may need that in a one-score game. Yeah, and I get what Marcus Harris was doing, right? Like he knew that that was going to be a check down option, and so we were staying with him, but – let him go. It's third and twenty-two. Yeah, I'm just saying I, no. Right. Totally. Situation. Yeah. And that's pro. I don't know this, but like I'm guessing that's not his assignment on that play. I'm just assuming that, but yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, Ron Roberts does once, drop guys in coverage. I get it. But, I, I get it. And I'm not yeah. trying again, but it, there's a pattern or a trend here that Auburn needs to clean that up because that's just again, and that that could have they never got within any more than two scores, but, you know, you you saw it. It kind of gave them a little bit of life there. They were a little bit more emotional, a little more fired up. They went down and got a field goal. Yeah. You had a chance to completely bury them at that point if you get off the field. Mm-hmm. Don't play around with people. And we should have learned the lesson from two years ago, being up 28, 
28-3 at halftime. Don't fool around. Yeah, right. Three freshmen, I think we need to give a nod to. First off, Connor Liu is exceptional. He stepped in and started uh, due to a, a hurt Avery Jones. Uh, I, I don't think Avery plays again, even if he's healthy. Like, uh, I think Connor Liu is better than him right now. I think I've talked to other folks within the program. It's time. Like, Connor well, Liu is Auburn's center. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but if Avery Jones comes back healthy, could you? We know Connor Lou could play guard, where we've had some issues. Could you slide him to the guard and make the position? I don't think the uh, belief within the program. I don't think they felt good about Avery's job playing center. Mm -hmm. I don't think the desire is to get Connor Lou on the field. I think they could have put him at guard earlier in the season if they really wanted to, and move uh, you know Gunnar Britton to to tackle if they really wanted to do that. I think. I think Avery was a concern. I think his injury came an unfortunate time for Avery, but I, I'd be shocked. I'd be surprised with how Connor Lou played, and I'm looking forward to doing a rewatch because Connor's going to be one of the things I focus on on the rewatch, Daryl. But man, he he was exceptional. I mean he he has a chance to be one of Auburn's best offensive linemen ever by the time he's done. Like he is that good. A true freshman should not be doing that. When you talk to folks. Throughout the program, their face lights up when you ask about Connor Liu. And they're like, this guy, if you didn't know, I, I would guess he was a junior. I would guess he was a junior. The players treat him like he's a junior. I mean, it's he's exceptional. And he lived up to the hype. He is a very underrated part of what Auburn did offensively in the running game Saturday. You know, people will take this as me saying this is the this is comparing him to this player. So I'm not. He's got a long way to go yet. But it reminds me of the impact and the optimism that Auburn had when Braden Smith started playing as a freshman and, and really was the last offensive lineman that you watched and could track for three or four years or whatever. Right. Um, they were so high on him and he made an impact when he came in. And I think Connor Lou, a different type player, I get it. I'm, I'm not saying, but he just around the whole excitement and enthusiasm thing that yeah. this kid could be a three-year starter and you could be watching him for three years, be an anchor on that offensive line for a long time. And the Avery Jones thing, uh, sorry, then again, that's another misevaluation on somebody in the transfer portal on those hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, the second is Keldrick Falk. Um, I, I think he's going to be a special player. I, I didn't notice him a ton, but I think it's symbolic, right, that you've got Connor Liu, Keldrick Falk, and Kayan Lee, who are all – going to be starters slash heavy contributors for the remainder of the season. And, you know, it's ironic because Lee probably isn't going to be a starter for the rest of the season, but he started first because of the, of the Pritchett injury the first few games, which is kind of funny. But I think that core is going to be crucial for the next few years because you've got to think with, with the sales pitch of early playing time and, hey, we need your help, is, it, is this staff is pointing to those three guys and saying like, hey, these are guys that we went out and got. We flipped seven guys from major schools outside of Auburn, and we brought them in, and three of those guys are starters this year. And I just think that's really symbolic as far as what Freeze is preaching to the fan base about talent because like they're nailing it. On the recruiting side, they're nailing it. We can say what we want about the transfer portal stuff and the misevaluations or whatever, but, man, as far as the guys that he went out and wanted to flip, nailed it. Absolutely crushed it. It's a good point. And, you know, I think even I'm starting to really like 
the promise, if you can add fourth, and this guy was a transfer portal guy, but still very young, the promise and the and I guess the exciting future that a Caleb Burton could have. I think I'm starting to see flashes yes. from him a little bit and uh, running routes the way he did. He had a real nice catch to open up the game, the drive that was important. Mm-hmm. So I, I like his game too. I think he could be someone that emerges next year as a big key contributor. Um, you're right, but those three guys that are freshmen that are recruits, that are guys that came to the program and all three flips, right? I mean, Falk yeah. from Florida State. Was Lou at My- Michigan State or Miami? Lou was at Miami and Lee okay. was and at Ohio State. Lee was Ohio State, yeah. So that's a great – that's, you know, not only – I mean, they were recruits that were going to be going somewhere else, so the coaching staff flipped them. And so, yeah, that, from a – I feel like this year the, the directive was we all felt like Auburn was going to go heavy in the portal, and they did. Don't you kind of feel like next year the percentage of – of guys they go after in the portal to fill up scholarships compared to high school will be a little bit lower ratio, a little lower percentage. Like next year is in after 24. next season? Yeah, after this season's over, will Auburn go back to the portal the way they did last year to, to get instant help, or will they save some of those spots for more high school kids? Like in a month and a half? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Like this cycle? Whenever the portal. Yeah, whenever the portal December, opens for this year. Yeah, they're going to have to. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to have to get a bunch of uh, portal guys. Because I think I think I think I think I think a lot of Auburn fans are going to be surprised by how many dudes leave. I think no, it's going to be saying, crazy. Let me clarify. I'm not I, I know they're going to get their fair share or a lot, but do you think it's going to be as many as they went after last year? I guess that's the question. Or will that be a little bit less and a little bit heavier on the high school kids? So what we're talking twenty ish? Yeah, that was how many Auburn went and got last year. I bet it's between fifteen and twenty. I think it's going to have to be because the, the I mean, you got to fill the scholarships. You have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, defensive back, they're going to have to get some dudes. Offensive court, line, sure. Offensive line, I don't think they get as many, but they're still going to have to get two or three. You would think. Um. You, you got to think they're going to do something about receiver unless they're linebacker. just going to start a bunch of freshmen. Yep. Linebacker. Yeah. Linebacker guys can come back, but I'm sure they're going to try to improve. Totally. Defensive line. They're going to lose a lot. They're going to lose a lot on the defensive line. And there's a chance that they're just like, ah, we're good. We're going to start a lot of freshmen, but there's just some posi- like quarterback. If Robbie leaves and Peyton leaves and Hey, maybe, maybe, ten, maybe Saturday night was part of Peyton getting happy and staying. Who knows? Right, but, but you can't you can't go into the season with with Walker White, Hank Brown, and another transfer quarterback. Like you got to do more than that, right? So, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to look similar. I think it'll look similar. Do you? Okay. Do, do I you do. Think it's gonna I be just, way less I, I, similar, but I don't know if it's going to be twenty. Uh, you know, I don't know if Auburn gets sixteen, and really kind of diversifies across three or four different position groups. Just kind of an interesting thing to think about as they go next year because, you know, they'll have some scholarships to give from a mm-hmm. recruiting standpoint as well. Yeah, and, and some of it depends. Like, is Dylan Wade going to go to the draft right. or leave, I guess? Um, there's guys, like, that are I think are, like, fringe dudes, like Jason Jones. Does he go? Does he grad transfer? Does he stay? Um, 
Does Marcus Harris come back and want to play with his brother? I mean, there's a bunch of questions on this roster of dudes that are fringe guys that, boy, if they came back, like Auburn could be really good next year. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's 10 dudes where it's like, I, I genuinely don't know. It would make sense for them to either leave or come back. So it, a lot of variables. And I'm sure that's going to be part of like NIL, right? It is. It's like if a Marcus Harris comes back, we should treat that like a transfer portal win. Yeah. We won't, but we should, you know, because like, if we were getting Marcus Harris for another year, we would all be ecstatic, right? Because I don't, I mean, that's crazy. That'd be ridiculous. He's been one of the best defensive linemen in college football. So all in all, it, it's fun to do this after a win, Daryl. We haven't, right. we haven't done that in exactly. a minute. It's been fun. It's been fun. So uh, how can people check out everything that you've got going on, buddy? Follow me, uh, DAP6410. Monday mornings on the Auburn Network at 710, Tuesday afternoons at 430, and you and I, Wednesday night, basketball reaction show. And we hadn't decided, are we doing that live or are we just dropping it the next morning? Um, I don't know. we got to figure out the logistics of that. Uh, it'll yeah, be late so, if we drop it. It'll be yeah. late because you got to drive back to Montgomery. But, yeah, we'll figure it out. We're here for the people. We're here for the people, aren't we? We're going to drop a show after a exhibition game, but we kind of want to do it as like a sneak peek, you know, a preview type thing. Yeah, comment and let us know if you if you guys would want it to be live or just drop it as soon as we can Wednesday night or as a bonus show on Thursday. Let us know. Uh, let us know what you think. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely do that. Hey, be sure to check out all of our written work at auburndaily.com and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. <laughs>